Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get them however you get them, whether that's online or in book form. I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. And this is one of those ones where I was like, oh man, this is going to be fun. And oh, and to boot, it's family Sunday, so the kids are with us. Yay! Uh, But I think that today um, can be a very powerful message if we will have ears to hear. In fact, at the end of our passage, it'll, it'll just say, let those who have an ear. You can only have one ear. And there's something that we need to hear here. And so turn one or two of your ears towards the Word of God this morning. But before I read this, I feel like I need to give uh, some explanation. How many of you are already watching the Olympics? Anybody? Okay, enjoy those times. All of those Olympic athletes have one thing in common. They have a coach, and no matter how good they are, they need a coach that helps them to get better, that tells them the good that they are doing, that shows them the bad and the ugly in their lives, and encourages them on how to make a change to to live in the good and the promise of, of what is to come, hopefully those gold and silver and bronze medals. You can think about this in terms of a coach today as we read. Or uh, I was thinking about uh, these guys. This is uh, Dr. Tim Mackey there on the left and John Collins on the right. These are the guys who started the Bible Project. And uh, they ride with Jackson and I on the way to school every day in the car. We listen to a little bit of their podcast. And I was listening to a story uh, and John was telling, I don't remember what passage of scripture they were looking at. But uh, John talked about this time where he was with one of his mentors, somebody he looked up to and respected and someone who knew him pretty well. can't remember if they had had classes together or he had done an internship with this guy or whatever. He said, we were sitting and we were having coffee and it just kind of came into my mind and I blurted out the question, hey, I'd be really interested. What are your thoughts about me? How, How do you see me? And and John said, as soon as the words left his mouth, he was all of a sudden really nervous at how vulnerable he had just made himself to this mentor. And and he was waiting to hear, what was this mentor who knew me so well? What was he going to say to me? I I mean, was he just going to just lay me flat right there or whatever? He said, but then I began to realize, I, I trust this guy. He's good. He knows me. He, he knows what's good. And, and he said, of course, that mentor, like the coach for the Olympic athlete, looked at him and, and said some really good things about him. And then, like a good mentor should, began to talk about some of the things he didn't really get about John and maybe some things that, that would help him to grow. And they were hard things to hear, John said. And then he gave him some encouragement about how to move into the future and what that future could look like as he did that. And it's in the spirit of that. I want you to kind of be in that moment. I don't know if you've ever had a coach or a mentor that was like that for you. But that is the spirit in which 
we need to hear this reading from Jesus today to the church at Thyatira. And so, let's read from Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. This is going to make you uncomfortable, so I'm just letting you know that ahead of time. But these are the words of Jesus to the church then and now. So can we stand and receive his words for us today? And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, faith, service, and patient endurance. I know that your last works are greater than the first, but I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet and is teaching and beguiling my servants to practice fornication and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her fornication. Beware, I'm throwing her on a bed, and those who commit adultery with her I am throwing into great distress, unless they repent of her doings, and I will strike her children dead. Hang in here. We're going to do some explanation here. And all the churches will know that I am the one who searches minds and hearts, and I will give to each of you as your works deserve. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. To everyone who conquers and continues to do my works to the end, I'll give authority over the nations to rule them with an iron rod as when clay pots are shattered even as I also received authority from my Father. To the one who conquers, I will give the morning star. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is the Word of God for the people of God here and online. And our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, we've got a lot of ground to cover today. How many of you use Wikipedia? Any of you? How many of you have ever gotten lost, lost track of time in a Wikipedia hyperlink black hole? That's what I call it. Do you know what this is? So if you've never been on Wikipedia, uh, it's uh, the you know online kind of encyclopedia. But as you go through, so if you're looking up something... Certain words are highlighted in blue and you can click on that word. If so, if you don't know what that word is or you want to know more about that city or that person, you can click on that and it will take you to their page and then you can talk about that. But the problem is, is there's more hyperlinks on that page and and you can click on those and you can just go down, 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 down. Now, when you come back to your original Wikipedia page, it can really inform things. Now, when we look at this passage, there are so many hyperlinks in this passage back into the Old Testament forward into this passage forward into the book of Revelation there are just hyperlink after hyperlink after hyperlink and I found myself sitting here as I was trying to put all this together oh my goodness Lord I'm just going to take them into a Wikipedia black hole and and, and they probably want to go home at some time and eat So I'm going to try and take us through this. And there are some of these hyperlinks that we just can't get away from. And so we're going to need to to settle in and move forward. So are you ready? 
The first thing that we need to do if we're looking at this idea of a coach or a mentee is, is, or mentors is who is the mentee? Who is the person who's being mentored in this situation? And so let's look at that. And we see that right in verse one. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira. Now remember, uh, the angel, we've been talking about this in every week. It really summarizes that ethos or the personality of the congregation and that Jesus embodies the full church. He says, he does that by symbolically saying, I hold the stars, the seven angels, the seven personalities of the church, the whole church, this personality, I hold it in who I am. And so he is going to speak to each congregation and where that personality lines up with who Jesus is, he celebrates. And where it doesn't line up, he corrects and moves back. And so these letters have something to say to those churches back then, but also to us. So the angel of the church. Now I want us to stop here. We haven't paused at this uh, word throughout these weeks. But the word for church is the word ekklesia. Would you like to say that with me? It's a Greek word, ekklesia. Ready? One, two, three. Ecclesia. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Ecclesia. And in his Greek, literally it means the called out ones. So in Greek culture, if there was something that the city needed to decide, they would call an assembly. And that assembly was called the, say it with me, Ecclesia. And they would hear what was going on and then they would make a decision. Now, the church is a little bit different. They adopted this word, but this word was used as you have been called out of the world. Although you live in the world and in the cities, you have been called out from it. And your call is not to make a decision about some important thing for your city, but your call is to become a worshiping community. You've been called out to live a life of worship to Jesus by looking like Jesus in your world. You are the church. You are ecclesia. You are called out. That's important for us to remember even today. But it's not just the called out ones anywhere. It's a very specific group of called out ones. A very specific ecclesia. It is the ecclesia of Thyatira. And Thyatira was the city of the trade guilds. It wasn't as big as the cities we've been talking about. But business was the thing. And they had all kinds of guilds. I think maybe the closest thing we have to them today is the unions. And uh, and they would, would operate. And they had all kinds of businesses going on. These are just a few that I was able to find that were happening in Thyatira. The clothiers, the shoemakers, the purple dyers, tanners, slave traders, bakers, potters. But the ones that were above all of them were copper and bronze smelting. And although iron was becoming the metal of choice, bronze symbolized power and copper was what coins were made out of and were able to be used. So they became symbols of the economy and symbols of power. And these guilds would, these trade guilds would have gatherings. I don't know how often, but they would have these gatherings. And and these gatherings were like, well, it's... It's family Sunday. So we'll just suffice it to say that what happens at the trade guild gatherings 
stays at the trade guild gatherings. And so think of the worst thing you can think of in Las Vegas. And that went on in the trade guild, these gatherings together. And worse than that, they, they took on this idea or this ethos of worshiping of their local patron gods. And so if you could physically connect... This is me interpreting for Family Sunday. If you could physically connect with the representative of the patron god in these gatherings, that is how your business would thrive. If you would enter into this time of worship. And if you wanted to do any kind of business in Thyatira, you needed the blessing of the trade guilds. Now, who were these patron gods? Uh, another hyperlink. Click. Uh, the patron gods were Timnaeus, which they connected with Apollo, uh, which is one of the sons of Zeus, uh, who is represented by the sun god. Timnaeus was an older uh, Lydian version. And so they say, well, it sounds a lot like Apollo, so we'll just put them all together and we'll worship them. And, of course, the Roman emperor. At this point, it was Domitian. And they called them the sons of God. And these were the patron saints, the patron gods of Thyatira. Okay, that's who the mentee is. This little group of called out ones in the midst of this trade guild city where these kinds of acts are going on all the time. Now let's turn our attention to who is the mentor. Who does this passage say the mentor is? So let's look at that. The very next verse. These are the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I I want us to to pause here. We can't go there. I wanted to initially have three more hyperlinks, but we really don't have time. So I'm going to sum up all of this for you. The mentor comes in and says to this mentee, this, this one that they are coaching, and says, in essence, you live in the city where they worship the sons of God. But I, the mentor, am the son of the God. And while one of them may claim to be the son God, I have eyes that look like the sun his, in other words, the little power of Apollos, I hold in one eye. And oh, by the way, I've got two of them. And I can see, we'll find out later, the will and the desire and the heart of every person and nation and business. And those of you who worship the power of bronze, I walk on bronze. My feet are bronze. That is the mentor. That is the one. He is the one who has called out the church in Thyatira. So what does the mentor see? Well, let's look. First, just like John's, John Collins' mentor, he sees some good things. He says, I know your works, your love. That's agape, self-sacrificing love. I know your faith, pistos, that you are learning what we believe and you're placing your trust in the one who has called you, which is me, the mentor. Uh, 
your service and your patient endurance. And I know that your last works are greater than your first. So unlike Ephesus who had forgotten their first love, Thyatira's church was was growing and their last work was greater than their first work. That love, that faith, that patient endurance, that serving, it was growing. Aren't you glad to know that Jesus sees our works, the works that look like His works? Did you need to hear that today? Did you know that I'm, I'm not Jesus, but I, I see those works too. Cross Community Church, I love to see our love and our faith and our service. Our, our kids went out and, uh, just a couple of weeks ago and, and gave out hot chocolate and talked with, with folks who are homeless and who needed gloves and things. That is wonderful growth. And Jesus sees that and wants to see that continue to grow. He sees the works and encourages growth in the works that look like the work He did in the world, who was love and faith and patient endurance. But what else does the mentor see? He also sees the bad and the outright ugly. Let's look at that. He says, but this I have against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet and is teaching and beguiling my servants. I want us to pause here for a second. That woman Jezebel. We will take a quick hyperlink there. Jezebel, if you were to click on the hyperlink, you'd find out that she was King Ahab's queen back in 1 Kings, the book of 1 Kings. And she was a queen who seduced Ahab into the worship of Baal. And because the king did that, then it began to take root in the nation until all of the nation was led astray. And God had to raise up. It's the story of Elijah and and all this. Great story. Go back and read that. Click on that hyperlink and keep going. You'll have some fun. But so powerful was this influence and this story that Jezebel really became a Jewish synonym for seduction away from following God. I think the closest thing we have to it today is when you men- anybody mentions Benedict Arnold. We think of what? He was a traitor. He, he embodies it to where if you see somebody who's a traitor, you, can, you just call him Benedict Arnold and everybody knows what you're talking about. Same goes here. So when Jesus through John says that Jezebel, he's already, you already know that this is about someone who is seducing the people away from the true worship of God. There's something going on here. And so it's no surprise then that all kinds of seductive metaphors are used right here. Now I want to pause when we talk about that woman who calls herself a prophet. need to pause right here. Okay, This is not Jesus calling out against woman preachers. Okay, Can I just say that? He is calling out this particular woman's particular teaching. If you're interested, I don't, have a, I don't have time to click on a long hyperlink down the trail of this. If you're interested, I preached on this in our series on 1 Timothy. Uh, we'll try and attach a link in the comment section uh, later on this week so you can go and listen to that sermon if you want to know more about that. But I'm, I am absolutely confident and I want you to know Jesus is not calling out against women preachers. He's calling out about this particular woman's particular teaching. Because men can be just as Jezebel-like as women. 
when it comes to seductive teaching that leads astray. Okay? Are you with me? All right. We'll keep going. So what was her teaching? I mean, that's just kind of the natural question, isn't it? What was the teaching? This, this teaching that was so seductive that was leading people astray and leading people away and that Jesus, the mentor, is saying, we're, we're not to tolerate this. What is the teaching? Well, we hyperlink over to verse 24, and it's really what we're given. We're given a lot of metaphor about it, but this one thing is her teachings are the deep things of Satan. Wow, that's, that's an accusation. The deep things of Satan, what is meant by that? I did a lot of study in my community looking around, what does this mean? What is this deep teachings of Satan? What does this mean? And most scholars came up with something similar to this. And I'm going to let uh, N.T. Wright be the quote for us today. He sums it up by saying, It is a teaching according to which the Christian's freedom from sin means that he or she can and should explore the satanic depths, going boldly right into the enemy's camp just to show how invulnerable one was. You see how is it? I mean, it, it seems right, right? I mean, like, oh, I, you know, I have freedom in Christ. I am, I am made, you know... Uh, you know, I'm set free so I can go anywhere and I'm going to go right in. And really quickly, what most of the scholars say is this kind of teaching morphs into, so it's okay to go to the trade guild gatherings and it's okay to engage in what's going on at the trade guild gatherings because it's just business and you're a Christian and you're set free. So go and look at that and study that and engage in it and see what's so seductive about it and and just know that you're free. See how Jezebel fits, doesn't it? Just seducing away slowly but surely. And so in all of that, it shouldn't surprise us that those seductive metaphors are used around this teaching. And it also fits with what happens at those trade guild gatherings. Jesus is just brilliant at pulling these metaphors together. But he goes on and this mentor shows mercy and consequences. And we've got to hold those in tension as we look at these passages. First, I I, I want us to see that there was mercy. When hard truths are declared, we also must trust the goodness of the mentor who is who? Jesus. So he's going to come with mercy, but also with consequences. So Jesus, it says, he is merciful to Jezebel. He has given her time to repent there in verse 21. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent. So there is in Jesus, you know, John in another letter will write that God is love. And for love to happen, there must be freedom. And yet, in God's love, in Christ's love, He is calling her to repent, to turn around, to come back, to move in the paths of life, to be one of the called out ones. But He is also giving her free will to say no. And what we see here is she is not turning. And so He has given her time. There is mercy. 
And yet, in and because of the mentor's goodness, he cannot let these dangerous and degrading teachings go on. How many of you have ever had a pet? Dog, cat? Anybody? Okay, dog, cat. Um, Not to compare the two, but how many of you have kids? All right. You love your kids. You love your pet. When you're out near a busy street, in your love, do you just let them, oh, go free, run in the busy street? Or do you hold them back? And if they choose to run towards the street, do you firmly yank them back? How many of you have ever done that with your kid? How many of you have ever done that with a leash on your dog? Cats, that's a whole different story. Here, Jesus loves this one who is seducing people away by her teaching. But because he is love, he cannot allow these dangerous and degrading teachings to continue. And so we begin to see, and he, he says there in verse 22, a very strange thing. And so that probably should alert you that there are going to be some hyperlinks here. Beware, I'm throwing her on a bed. And those who commit adultery with her, I am throwing into great distress. Unless they repent of her doings. This one, I was scratching my head. I'm so thankful for the, for the community of scholars that, that I'm able to read and have time to do that. It sounds terrible, but I want you to wait because the, to throw on a bed, I found this in our very own Nazarene New Beacon Bible commentaries, to throw on a bed is a Jewish metaphor or an idiom for suffering with sickness. Now we can talk about whether that's prescriptive, I'm going to smite her with sickness, or descriptive, that those teachings and going to those gatherings and doing what they're doing at those gatherings in the name of Christian freedom leads to some sick life. Maybe it's a mixture of the two. But he cannot allow those to go on. And so he's going to throw her on a bed. She's going to be suffering with sickness. And if you or anyone get into a bed with a sick person, what most likely happens? You'll get it. Boy, it's like the metaphor of the last two years, right? Don't even need a bed. Just go to the store. So this is what... Jesus is saying, if you live into these teachings and you do those things, it leads into sickness. And if you're around them and being seduced by that, then you are going to lead your own life into sickness. And it often appears as distress. Some of the first symptoms are just distress. Now, we in the church, especially the church in the West, we talk a lot about sin and breaking, uh, breaking covenant and, and, uh, that being unjust. And we talk about the justice of it all. And therefore, God is the great judge. And, and, and that's true. And there's a, there's a part of it that this, that's that. The Eastern church talks a lot more. And John would have been a part of the Eastern church talks a lot more about sin as sickness, as unhealth. How many of you, it's kind of an older term now, but how many of you have ever heard a song or something about my sin-sick soul? Anybody? 
that sin is unhealth, that leading, the, uh, leading a life that is engaging in those things makes us unhealthy spiritually and can impact us physically as well. I think of it in terms of this. Every summer, until the pandemic, I would take a group of our young people with some other chaperones, and we would go float down the Muskegon River. Invariably, somebody loses their inner tube. And that's left to me to then swim upstream to try and get said inner tube. And at first, it feels great. And you look sideways, and with the water moving past you this way, man, you look like you're blazing fast. But you keep going and keep going and keep going and it gets tiring and it gets tiring. And if if I were to continue to go against the current of the Muskegon River, at some point I'm going to tire out and I'm going to drown. This is the metaphor of sin that God has created the the life and, and love to flow in a direction. And when we move against that flow and direction, you will get sick and eventually you will get tired and eventually you will drown. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. When I finally realized this metaphor, I would start having the teens to talk about this. I would have them pause and just simply in their inner tubes at a shallower spot, have them put their feet on the ground and just let the water be against them, but resist and they start talking about my legs are getting so tired like yeah sin tires you out it does that in your life when you resist the flow of god's love and life it leads to exhaustion it leads to sickness and then i try to talk about grace by saying okay now lift up your feet and whoosh everybody begins to move down the stream when Jesus is talking about a thrower on a bed and those who are, are with her there, there is a sickness here that is going to happen, but there's more to come, so let's get moving. I love what Charles Spurgeon says, though, when he writes this, The cross is the place of your spiritual birth. It must ever be the spot of, your, of renewing your health. For it is the hospital of every sin-sick soul. The blood of Jesus is the true balm of Gilead. That's a fancy way of saying medicine. It is the only remedy which heals every spiritual disease. Is that good news? That's where we're going, okay? So hang in here. We've got a, a few more rough things. But again, there's some mercy for those who have been in the bed of sickness and are now becoming sick. Jesus again presents mercy. But, what does He say? Unless they repent of her doings. So there is that metanoia, that turning. If they turn, if they lift up their legs and let the love of God continue to to carry them, there can be change. There can be hope. Do you need to hear that? If you today are just feeling that anxiety and that distress of knowing that something is off and you feels like you're resisting God on every front, that there is hope for you today, you can repent, lift those legs and be carried away in the stream of God's love and begin to operate in the ways that He calls us to be, that He can call you out in His great love. Now, verse 23. This is the verse I never wanted to get to. But here we are. The monster at the end of the book. He says, And I will strike her children dead. 
And all the churches will know that I am the one who searches minds and hearts and will give to each of you as your works deserve. Now listen to this. Uh, Listen to this. Children is an idiom for a student. Do you need to hear that this morning? This is not Jesus giving license to go out and slaughter babies. When you apprentice yourself to someone to learn from them, a rabbi and you are a student, they are your father, your, your teaching father or your teaching mother, and you become their child. So if this Jezebel's students do what Jesus says and repent, they are no longer her students, so they are no longer her children, so her children are what? Dead. Are you with me? Revelation is not a book of horror. It's a book of hope. It's a, it's a message of a call that Christ is calling to you and to me to move into the rhythms of His grace and mercy and love. And when we do that, there is life. And that's what we begin to look on. So the mentor's final encouragement then, and we see this in the last verses to this little called-out group in this crazy city of Thyatira. He simply tells them, hold fast to what you have. If you're doing all those things, the ones of you who are sacrificially loving are growing in your faith and trust in me. If you are patiently enduring and serving as you're enduring, just hold on to that until I come. Hold on to that. When the mentor sees all of that, he has nothing to say, but way to go and keep it up. Keep going. Keep floating down that river. Don't put your feet down. Just just let it go. Come on. Keep going. Come on. Be called out. Keep showing that in that crazy little town. And then he gives them what sounds like a very strange reward. Verses 26 and 27. Let's look at this. He quotes one of the Psalms. If we were to hyperlink, but we don't have time. To everyone who conquers and continues to do my work. So what does it mean to conquer? To continue, to love, to grow in faith, to serve, and to patiently endure. You keep doing that, here's what's going to happen. I will give authority over the nations. To rule them with an iron rod as when clay pots are shattered. I want you to see this really quick, because that word that we translate rule is the word poimenai. And I'm going to have you say that with me just to wake you up and get you into this good news at the end. If you checked out during all the, the, the tough parts, the word is poimenai. Let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Poimenai. Say it one more time. One, two, three. Poimenai. And it literally means Shepherd. This is the only place in the Bible where it's translated as rule. I don't know why they did that, but it's translated as shepherd. And sometimes a shepherd, I guess a wooden staff isn't strong enough for some sheep's strong will. And so a rod of iron is given to shepherd the nations. And the clay pots are shattered. You know, a clay pot is broken open to reveal what's inside. Many times, things would need to be preserved, and so they would seal the lid or 
have the pottery come all the way apart. So this is not about destruction. This is about discernment. To see what's on the inside. Jesus is saying, if you continue to love and grow in faith, if you continue to serve and you continue to patiently endure, you will begin to see, I will give to you a rod that will enable you to shepherd the nations and see what's on the inside. And whether it is good or bad, you'll be able to begin to discern like I discern. And one of the things in the final thing, you will know how best to apply those things and what to avoid. So that you can keep floating down that river of the life that I've called you out for. He says, I will give the morning star one last hyperlink. Are you ready? Click. Hyperlink. Verse 28, I will give the morning star. Revelation 22.16 tells us that Jesus is the morning star. So not only, if you keep doing all of these things, not only will I give you a rod of iron that will allow you to shepherd the nations and discern what is going on inside of them and inside those systems and inside those trade party gatherings and inside all of those things. Will I give all of that to you, but I will give you myself. I will give you myself. Because Jesus is always about giving Himself to those who will simply open their hearts and minds to receive Him. He's always about that. All right. So here we are at the end. The last verse is similar to all the others. Let anyone who has an ear listen which also means obey what the Spirit is trying to say to the churches. So what does this mean for us today? We've been talking about this, that this is not just for those churches back then, it's for us today. What does this mean today? Can I start by asking my friends, are your ears open to the mentor? Even just one will do. Was there something that was said in this message from our mentor Jesus today that has just stirred something in you. And maybe you don't know what it is. Maybe it's some distress. Maybe he's trying to get your attention to show you the sickness of your soul that he longs to call out and heal in you through his mercy and his grace and his compassion. Are your ears open to his call? Do you realize that his eyes still blaze with seeing both the mind and the heart? It's interesting, another hyperlink, that word for mind actually is is rooted in the word for reins. That he sees the reins of your life. He sees the ways that you are pulling and pushing against them to try and lead this way and that way. He sees your life, all of your life. And his call to you is to come out, to return, to come back. To repent and be healed. And He is good. Are you there today, my friends? Are you suffering with a sin-sick heart or conscience? Does your life outside of these walls or outside of this hour online, does it look a lot different from the Jesus who's calling you? 
Does it look different when you go into business and interact with your employees? Does it look different when you, when you interact with your family? Does it look different, students, when you're at, at school and when you're with your teachers and you're learning or when you're with your friends? If it does, and that creates tension and anxiety, then Jesus is saying to you, repent, return, lift up your legs, let me forgive you, let me call you out and let, and, and let you live like I lived among you. Let me let your love grow and your faith grow and your patience grow and your service grow. Do you need healing for your sin-sick heart? He is here walking among us today. With your teaching, what teachings? Maybe this is just something you need to write down or take a picture of today. And let the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit this question this week. Ask Jesus, with what teaching am I compromising my love and my faith, my service or my endurance? I believe that's an honest prayer and I believe Jesus will answer that for you. Take a moment and do that this week. Where is this happening? And lastly... Are you ready and willing to turn to Him today? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So if there is any anxiety that's inside of you, any distress, because you know something is off in my life, I've taken the reins, I'm pointing it in this direction, I'm swimming upstream, and you're beginning to get tired, and you're not sure you're ever going to reach that inner tube, whatever it is that you're chasing. And today, are you willing to turn around? Because it'll be right there to get you. To hold you up, to love you, to move you back into that inner tube that will allow you to float on down the river. Are you ready, though, to turn around, to say yes? To move towards Him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And would you stand right where you are? If you're online, you can stand right where you are too. In just a minute, Lori's going to sing that song, just a few verses of what a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus means God saves. We believe it's in His name that salvation is found and healing is found and forgiveness is found and mercy is given, don't we? And we haven't done this in a long time. Pandemic has kind of shifted some things around. But today, I just feel so strongly that Jesus wants me to say to you all that He is calling you out. It's not in a shaming way. It's in a loving way. Trust the mentor. And so today, if there's a need for some healing, if there's a need for some surrendering to Him of some things, then as Lori sings, I want you to come and to kneel at an altar. I know it's calling you out. I know it's going to be different. I know it's hard. I know people will, will quote-unquote see, although they shouldn't because you're supposed to have your eyes bowed, uh, your head closed and your eyes bowed. But I'm going to call you and invite you, please. Don't miss this opportunity right now to say yes to Jesus. So as she sings, 
Would you come? She's going to sing one verse or two verses and, and two choruses, and that's it. Is your ear listening to what the mentor is calling? If so, come and pray. Would you sing, Lori? You were the word at the beginning. One with God. Don't wait, friends. right where you are. Come now. Come out. You're called out. Come. You're called out. Come right now. He's good. He heals. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my Young person, don't Come now. Surrender at a young age. What a great life. Come to what a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. We'll have one more verse and chorus. You can sing along if you know. Sing. Didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you are with you, bring them. It's okay. If God's dealing with your heart, don't wait. Come now. Surrender to Him. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my want you to know no one prays alone at an altar here and so i'm going to invite a few of you if you see someone here who's come pray we have hand sanitizer right there just grab some of that uh, in case they're a little leery of that it's okay and just place a hand on a shoulder and pray we don't want anyone praying alone so come and gather come around Let's go to the Lord as we close today in prayer. Father, we're so grateful for Jesus, our coach and our mentor, who tells us the truth in a loving way, who speaks boldly and and at times it feels harsh, but it's for our betterment. It's for our health. for our salvation in our world. So Lord, those who have come and have a need, I pray that you would lead them in prayer of surrender, saying to you, Lord Jesus, I need your direction. I need your guidance. I need your eyes that flash like the sun to see my intentions and guide me in your mercy. 
Help me to hear the hard words with knowing the person behind them. They are filled with grace and hope for a good future. God, I pray that those who are there and those who are kneeling where they are at their homes or at their desks online, that they would sense you are with them. Help them to say simply the words, I surrender all to you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would bear witness to that, that they would sense that weight, that distress melting off of them as they move into new realms of freedom and hope for their lives, for their families, for their world. God, protect us from the seduction that leads back into unhealth, but help us to trust your guidance all the way. For we pray and we ask these things in the name of the one who stands in power, whose eyes shine like the sun, who is able as Isaiah said, to touch us and atone for us and clean us and enable us to hear His words who will go for us and enable us to say, Here I am, send me. So send us, Lord Jesus, out into our schools, our homes, our workplaces, and our world. For we pray and ask these things in the name of of our mentor and our coach, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, and all God's called out ones said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to bless you. And now, may you, my brothers and sisters here online, may you experience the hope of healing. May you experience the joy of forgiveness. May you experience everything that Jesus has called you to. May you experience the hope of being called out to love and faith, to patience and to service. And may you go into the world proclaiming His good news. I send you out in His strength and in His power, His mercy and compassion. I pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us online. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.